Fortnightly podcast about some great stealth slash stealthy video games and also some rubbish ones. On every episode, we go in depth and all spoilery on one specific game and discuss whether said game stealth and its boom boom are up to snuff. My name is Colin Mahern, and joining me on this episode are two absolute scrunts. <laughs> Very important few little letters in there. Firstly, we have Adam Carroll. Good evening. And secondly, we have Josh Wise. Hello. I'm sure we'll explain the... Uh, the scruntiness. The, the, yes, the scruntiness of the game that we're going to be talking about uh, throughout this podcast. But before we get on to that, lads, as I like to do, I need to get your, your minds in a certain place. Cast your minds back to the heady days of five years ago. <laughs> because, and yes, Adam, because of your comments two weeks ago, you have forced my hand. And I'm not going to have fun with a voice changer. And I'm just going to say, tonight we're going to party like it's March 13th, 2018. Okay. So I hope you're happy. Well, I- I didn't mean to offend you, like, so I did like it. You've made your friend very sad. <laughs> um, but look, let's dive into what was happening in the world on and around March 13th, 2018. And I will say, Adam, just for the record, it's not working. That's why I'm not using it. I've been using it otherwise. <laughs> on the 14th of March, 2018, bit of sad news to start us off. Both Ken Dodd and Stephen Hawking passed away. Mm. A lot of crossover between. Both sets of fans of of those men, of course. Mm. Four days later, on St. Patrick's Day, Ireland beat England at Twickenham 24-15 in the rugby, snatching Ireland's 14th Six Nations win and the country's third Grand Slam. So take that. Yeah, suck it, Twickenham. Take that, England. I mean, England, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And Twickenham, they can both shut it. Uh, in the charts, there was a familiar song atop both the UK and the US charts. I say familiar because it was the same song that we mentioned on our remothered episode. So this is like two months later. Well, mm. month, month and a half later. Uh, yes, Drake was still top in America and the UK with God's Plan. However, in the cinema, at the box office in both America and the UK... Again, we have something that is topping the charts across the water. It was, yes, a Marvel film, obviously. It was Black Panther. Oh, of course, yes. It became the fifth Marvel movie to earn $1 billion. So, you know, more luck to him, I suppose. Yeah, they're doing all right, yeah. (laughs) Enough about all that. (laughs) Let's now talk about the game we're going to be discussing today in something we like to call Back of the Box. This is the part of the podcast where I give you some pertinent information on the game we're going to be talking about today. A game I haven't even told you what it is yet, but you savvy lot out there who've seen the name of the episode, you're way ahead of everyone else. Because you'll already know (laughs) that the name of this game is Ghost of a Tale. 
Now, this is quite the indie game, so there will be some people wondering, what is Ghost of a Tale? And in a sentence or two, it is a third-person, open-world, stealth RPG that has a lot of mouse in it, mostly because you are a mouse. You're a mouse. <laughs> you're, you're a medieval mouse rocking about the place in catacombs and in a castle and... Mm-hmm. All that good stuff. Mm. This one had a lot of release dates and a lot of platforms. We are talking about it today because it's, I suppose, commemorating its fifth anniversary of its full release on PC, which, yes, was the 13th of March 2018. But it did come to Steam Early Access almost two years prior on the 25th of July 2016. It then came to PS4 and Xbox One on the 12th of March 2019, so about a year after PC. Then again, a year and a bit after that, it came to Switch on the 8th of October 2020. And then finally, two weeks later, it came to, and I think this is how we all played it, the Amazon Luna. Oh, sweet. On the 20th of October. (laughs) Is that thing still going? Oh, who knows? I mean, to be honest, (laughs) does anyone really know what Amazon Luna is? No. It's not real. I mean, nobody's ever used Amazon Luna, so how can I? I think it's sort of an idea. Another thing I like to do with this section of the podcast is tell you what's on the back of the physical box, because I could be spouting all types of nonsense here and not giving you the actual cold hard facts. Ghost of a Tale, it did get a physical release, uh, specifically in Europe, from what I can tell. I don't think in North America. Definitely on PS4 and on Switch. Either way, here is a little snippet of what's on the back of the Switch box for Ghost of a Tale. And... Because it's it's a really text-heavy one, so I'm not going to give you all of it. I'm just going to give you a little bit that I enjoy. It says, Armed with a mouse's talent for stealth, agility and disguise, and a minstrel's talent for music, you'll explore the decaying keep from its expansive woodlands and lakeshore to its spider-infested catacombs, evading its many dangers and discovering its many ancient secrets. Now, I'm cool with a lot of that, and it tells you pretty much even though there are other words in the box you get what you need really from that tells Mm -hmm. me a lot about ghost of a tale the only thing i have issue with is a mouse's talent for disguise Mm. not 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 so much a recorded behavior of the common mouse i would argue really is it i mean you might think oh there's a rat but actually it's a mouse but they don't, they don't really mean to disguise themselves, I wouldn't say. Stealth and agility of a mouse. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I can be, get on board with that. But disguise, I just, I, I feel like a mouse is a mouse is a mouse, no? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like rat, ratatouille. I don't know. That's a rat. Yeah. Like, I mean. <laughs> Stuart Little. Oh, yeah. Did Stuart Little disguise himself? He wore little clothes. Yeah, he was wearing some dungarees, I'm sure. I mean, maybe it wasn't so much a disguise, but... Like, he had an outfit. Oh, what about Basil, the great mouse detective? Didn't he wear hey, a disguise? there we go. He did. Well... If, if we've got any Basil fans out there, email in and let us know if he wore a disguise, because we can't be sure. It would be absolutely phenomenal if someone emailed in to a Basil question. That would be <laughs> stunning. B- Basil fans. Yeah, big Basil fan here, lads. How's it going? <laughs> Again, there may be some of you out there who aren't up to speed with Ghost of a Tale. So let me try to summarise the story. 
of this one. I mean, you've got a little bit from our mouse that's able to go into disguise. But yeah, here's a little synopsis. So, a once nomadic minstrel, now a tiny little convict, you play as Tilo in a this medieval story. Tilo is a mouse that wakes up in a jail cell after a rat baron had him in prison for not playing a song for him. Seems a little harsh. Mm. Tilo's been separated from his wife and the entire game is Tilo doing odd jobs for others so they'll help him find out where his wife is slash help him get to his wife. Tilo meets along the way a snippy blacksmith, two untrustworthy but ultimately sound enough, I think, thieves yeah mm. a, a sort of whimsical ghost a theatrical military commander and a bastard frog mm. oh a, and a, a sarcastic but well-meaning rat named silas i like a bit of mm-hmm. silas silas is good uh, oh and the the motherly mouse chef that actually turns out to not be very nice at all yeah. <laughs> anyway in the end you and your rodent mass effect crew save the day and you head off to a place where you believe your wife mira is and that's when the credits roll. Because it was about the journey and not the destination, for Christ's sake. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk more about that mm. later on, I'm sure. The developer and publisher of this one is one and the same. It is Seath CG. Seth CG. I mean, it's not Seth. Maybe Seath, because uh, it's like Keith, but with an S. Seath. I suppose Seath CG. Yeah, Keith with an S CG. <laughs> The story of the developer and publisher is unlike anything we've had on Stealth Boom Boom before, and for a lot of reasons. So firstly, Ghost of a Tale was crowdfunded. That's the, we haven't had that on Stealth Boom Boom before. 1,190 people backed it on Indiegogo, raising €48,000, Euro, mm. which is 108% of the 45k goal. Uh, this was in May 2013. And to remind you, the game fully launched on uh, March 2018, so five years later. Another reason this developer is unlike anything we've had in Stealth Boom Boom before is because one person did most of the things on this game. And they were also involved in the movie business for close to 15 years before this game released. So... On the Ghost of a Tale website, seven names are mentioned on the page about development, with one of the seven clearly more prominent. And that is Lionel, Lionel, Seath, Gallet, Galay, I think probably Galay. When the credits roll in the game, above Galay's name, you see they're credited with <laughs> deep uh, intake of breath. Art, animation, coding, design, story. <laughs> quite a lot mm-hmm. it, it is quite a lot uh, we'll chat more about Galay as we go go along uh, this is Seath CG's only game obviously it took quite a while however in late 2022 like December it was around Christmas um, Galay tweeted the words have you seen this mouse hashtag ghost of a tale 2 oh, along with wow. what appears to be an in-game image of a wanted poster of a mouse stuck on a sewer wall so unless it's been confirmed confirmed between us recording this podcast and you listening to this podcast I think it's safe to assume yeah there's going to be a new ghost of a tale sometime in the future the critical reception of this one on PC and Xbox One it got 75 and on PlayStation 4 it had an 82 with uh, an average open critic score of 75 so that is your your little information breakdown of Ghost of a Tale. 
But we're going to take a very quick break while you have a listen to some of the nice little Ghost of a Tale music that plays in one of the trailers. And then we'll be back right after that to talk about some marketing and press coverage of Ghost of a Tale. Let's talk about some of the marketing, the pre-launch marketing of Ghost of a Tale. And with the development of this spanning a very long time, I guess we have some some trailers and videos and articles that span a couple of years as well. Uh, the first one that I wanted to, to talk to you lads about was something that's on the Seath CG's YouTube. It's just called the Ghost of a Tale New Alpha Trailer. Now I will say for the section normally I'll put in little little bits of audio, little clips of interviews, whatever. There's there's kind of nothing really here because it is just all musical interludes. And we'll we'll talk about the music later on when we're talking about the final game. But this trailer, the new Alpha trailer, I'm pretty sure this is the earliest gameplay of uh of Ghost of a Tale that's out there. And it's basically the end of the game. What you see, uh, the HUD isn't final. There's a compass on screen, which isn't there in the game. And obviously, you know, it, it doesn't look anywhere near the finished product. But it's a bit of Tilo running around on the shore while some bony sword-wielding baddies are rising up from the ground. So again, yeah, basically what happened, that final battle where you're trying to carry around... Um, Sense, Bryson's. Yeah, a lot of things where you could say it two ways in this game, by the way. Like I, I say, <laughs> yes. I said Tilo, but you seem to be going with Tilo. I'm up for that. I'm up for Tilo. It's a far cry, obviously, from the finished product, but you can kind of see what's, what's happening here. And I think it's got some real um, sort of Dark Souls vibes. Like, more, I mean, I think, yeah. I think the game has some Dark Souls vibes, to be honest, but that alpha was super, super Dark Souls with the health bars and the skeletons. And it, it reminded me of a uh, an area in the first Dark Souls. Um, although actually, I'll come to that later a little bit. But that, you know, that you guys know the bit with the giant bird in this game. Well, actually, I guess it's not, yes. it's not yeah, yeah. giant, is it? That reminded me of Dark Souls loads. And when I saw this alpha, I was like, oh, he's definitely a Dark Soulser. You know, definitely a big influence on this game. But not in what the game actually is, just kind of like the imagery, you know, themes and ideas. Well, it's funny you mention that, right? Because something that I even I wanted to bring up as well in this was that this, this alpha trailer, there's quite a lot of combat in it. And that's, you know, that doesn't translate mm. in the finished game. And again, like, you know, five years pass between this trailer being published and the game fully coming out uh, three years past between this and early access but in an interview that I, I'll bring up again in a moment um, in an interview that Galley did with RPS in 2013 he said this about the, the trailer he said quote in the alpha trailer there is a moment where you get some kind of a weapon and start whacking at the rats and that was fun to do but it does not reflect the gameplay that I have in mind it is about stealth the mouse is not powerful at all and it is engaged in a very dangerous adventure 
it is perilous and so it is really a game about exploiting this fact not about fighting through enemies that are twice your size however that's what you look at the trailer Adam and that, that's what it does look like yeah it does yeah you don't redo really that a whole pile in the full game no 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 god god no not, not at all and, and this was the video that Seath CG had alongside their Indiegogo campaign it was mm. yeah it's kind of cool that he was up he, well up front-ish about it sort of saying yeah I put that on there because I guess you know that's a big thing that's going to bring people in but actually definitely want to go the stealth route so look at it mm-hmm. and observe that it looks cool but then imagine not hitting skeletons with a stick <laughs> and, <laughs> and you've just imagined <laughs> ghost of a tail <laughs> so yeah that, that was the video that was alongside the indiegogo however there were a couple of videos that the uh, cg released during the indiegogo campaign you can find them all on their their youtube channel but it's like very short little snippets of character models and how yeah like how, how a Tilo would look or how is um, I think Silas is there as well but one that I found interesting was it's just titled Ghost of a Tail Frog yeah. it's posted on the 29th of April 2013 and I thought that this one was the most noteworthy because with the other ones you can either see how it looks almost exactly like it in the finished game mm. or how it's changed somewhat but like it with this video, it's unclear whether this design, this model of a character is another enemy in the game mm. or if this was another design for Kerald, who is the frog pirate you meet near your jail cell at the beginning of the game. Probably the first NPC slash quest giver. And we'll get on to Kerald later on because he's, he's quite a, a pivotal character. But... It, like, I mean, the only reason, the only correlation between this model and Kerald is that it is amphibian. It's because <laughs> otherwise, otherwise it's just a frog. It's a bipedal frog holding a spear. Yeah. Yeah. With a little shell for a little vest, which is brilliant, obviously. Uh, I, I'm upset that this frog, I liked Kerald, Kerald of Rivia. I liked him and I, and I, frogs. Frogs are a welcome presence in video games on the whole. They're not. Um, they're not. Frogs are just awful. Awful. <laughs> oh, no. I no, hate them. Frog division. Oh. Well, I have a fear of frogs. I'm just going to say that. Oh, really? And that's a... What about Frogger? Do you purposefully kill Frogger when you play Frogger? Yeah, Frogger. Yeah. Frogger. I just frogs, man. Frogs. And you know, like, like I, I watched that clip that... That we had, and I was just like, "There we go!" No, thirty seconds of a frog spinning around. I was like, "That's that's an awful thing to put anyone through." That's how I felt. <laughs> With a spear as well. So With a spear, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's me in the nightmares. Yeah, if you saw that in a garden, you wouldn't be best pleased. Let's be honest. It's um, it's quite a brutal frog. On the fifteenth of August, twenty fourteen, we got a Gamescom twenty fourteen trailer for Ghost of a Tale. And this one, so like a year after that alpha trailer, this one looks like there's a lot in this that is unchanged in the final yeah, game. Yeah, Like you see a jail area that's pretty much unchanged. Like a, a lot of it is like the character model. The, the biggest differences are in this video, you see a crab chase, like a, a sort of a Crash Bandicoot style chase where Tilo is running towards the camera 
and there is a crab chasing them, I mean, yeah. like a massive crab. <laughs> and the other difference is that the guard, because um, like elsewhere in the video, you see the stealth that was missing from the earlier videos, but you also see a guard catching Tilo and like grabbing them and lifting them in the air, mm-hmm. which never happens in the game. Uh, yeah. It's what once a guard sees you and, and makes their way towards you, they just start whacking you until you die. There's no sort of, I suppose to liken it to anything like remothered, like when uh, Felton would, you know, would fi- would find you and grab you and then you'd have to like have a mini game or whatever else. Like in Ghost of a Tale, there's, there's none of that. But it's, it's other than that, like it's a fairly, it's pretty spot on. It's getting there. Really. Yeah, 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 for sure. God, yeah. And that's 2014. So it'd be another four. Because I mean, it's, it's. I guess, I suppose if you're just one person, my heart goes out to, I mean, you, no wonder it took another four years. Because when I sort of saw that, I was like, yeah, yeah, you, you, you know, you, you, you're pretty much there. But then I'm only thinking in terms of the visuals, which with this game is it's kind of easy to do because it looks so lovely in every single way but yeah just trying to just trying to then imagine someone also coding and playtesting and bugging and all that sort of stuff mm. but you, you say you know you're trying hard to imagine those things josh can you imagine a man in a big mouse suit <laughs> i like well whatever i imagine won't won't and didn't stand up to the reality of the man in the mouse suit um and i was blown away so i i will i will post this on somewhere one of the social medias for stealth boom boom but honest to god i don't know how i found this yeah i don't know how you found this 68 68 <laughs> views on youtube <laughs> Uh, like, where did you find this? Dude, like, well, when, when I do my research, you know, I really dive deep. Of course, of course, you're a professional, Colin, you're a professional. Yeah, and I found, well, it's currently, when I clicked on it there, it's 70 views now. And yeah. if all of us had clicked on it now, it would be like 72 or something. But basically, um, it is just a very, very quick video of what the stand, what the Ghost of a Tale stand looks like at Gamescom 2014. And I just think, you know, it's just, it's a person in a big mouse, mouse suit. I like to think that it is Galat in there, or Galay. I like to think that's him in the mouse oh. suit. A true, you know, one man project all around. He's like, yeah, I'll do it all and I'll get in the fucking mouse suit. Get me to Gamescom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That that's the that's the mark of a real author. You don't see Hideo Kojima dressing up as Salad Snake. No, I was just about to say, yeah, get him in a cardboard box at E3, and I'd be up for that. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the video, my favorite part is the one lad who's standing there, and he goes up and just strums the guitar. Yeah, yeah. It's actually quite an impressive costume, I have to say, though, it, isn't it? And I, I, I did, I did want to like when I found that, I was like, this is quite. An interesting thing for for us to have a look at anyway in terms of we don't know how much money was put behind this or what financial backing it had really because yes it was developed and published by Seath CG Mm. but like I don't know of any sort of like angel investors or or whatever but regardless of all that it's like that's a very impressive costume. It's a very good mouse costume yeah yeah absolutely must have cost a a decent chunk of change surely yeah yeah, I'll I'll put that out on on Instagram or TikTok or something like that, so you can have a look at it yourselves. Tilo at the stand, it's called on on YouTube. But now it's time to take a look at some pre-launch press coverage. And again, it's like Ghost of a Tale is a game that had some buzz in smaller circles, but it's it certainly wasn't this 
runaway train of success, even in the indie space, you know. So there isn't a ton of interviews out there, but the one I referenced earlier that Galet did with RPS in May 2013, that was kind of one of the more more in-depth interviews I could find. Mm. And Galley in that, Galley was asked about moving from animated movies to games. And he said this about that. He said, quote, I understand that from the outside, it looks maybe a little bit strange because it is not directly related, but I love games. I just love them. And since I was a kid, I played games. For me, it was, an, it was natural in the sense that even when I was working on movies, I was always working with tools, programming, helping with the pipeline of the movie. It was kind of unofficial, I suppose. I'm not a programmer. I am I am on the artistic side of things, but I really like programming. And so it comes naturally for me to put the two things together and make games. It was just really exciting to make that leap to interactive things. Adam, don't you just hate those type of people? It's like, Gally to me sounds like a fellow who... Um, a tin whistle? No, I've never, uh, I've never played that. <laughs> An absolute shredder. Uh, car, a car. No, I've never, I've never opened a bonnet. Um, and here he goes. He's, he's an F one mechanic. And it's like, mother of God. Yeah, it's, it's, it's freaky stuff. That's got to be so different from. I appreciate the, you know, the art stuff. I think, okay, well, you're in animation. A lot of that stuff will carry over. But just, just pro, just coding and programming is just to, totally different. But yeah, very, very impressive. Galley also did an interview with WCCF Tech on the 20th of March 2019, uh, an article titled How a Veteran uh, Animator Went Indie and Developed Ghost of a Tale. And Galley was asked how the game had done sales-wise. Uh, and this is an interesting one because it was in its first year. So, so I didn't mention sales earlier because there's, there's just nothing concrete out there. I, I don't know. But yeah, this interview took place a year after the game had launched on PC. I think he was asked, was it a success? He starts by saying, quote, it was, though it's not an indie darling. You know, those games that everyone has heard of, like Firewatch. I mean, we have zero marketing. We don't know anybody. So a lot of people did not hear of the game. That being said, there were very, very few people working on the game. I was first on my own and then I was joined by one and then another person after that. But we are a very, very small team. It means we don't need a huge financial success in order to feel comfortable with what we do. So that's what I would say uh, that, yes, it was good. It was not a mind blowing success, but I'm okay with that. I mean, it's not like a lot of people have heard about the game, but I think it's fine. We're doing okay, and when we launch for the consoles, more people will hear the game by the same token. So it's it's a little bit of an insight into how it's sold. Comfortable enough. Yes. If you have, I mean, like any business, I suppose, if you have fewer overheads, mm. then a modest sum is going to go further. Yeah. And because there were fewer people working on Ghost of a Tale then I guess the money could go further yeah. with the people who are working on it. It's like he just knew, he knew that it was going to be exactly what it was. And there's something to respect about it, I think, because, you know, he's not blowing a fucking trumpet about it. He's not going crazy. He's going, I'm doing something new and this is what it's going to be. And this is probably how it's going to be received. And mm. it's fair game, you know, it is like, you know, the way he's, the way he's talking about it. And, and, you know, Sounds like p- possibly uh, comfortable enough to be work to be working on another game. So you know yeah. that makes me mm. happy. It really does. Yeah. So 
that's yeah a little bit on the marketing and the press coverage before the game came out. So we're going to take a quick break here and then we're going to be back right after that to talk about our thoughts on the stealth of Ghost of a Tale. Right, let's get into it, lads. Let's chat about our thoughts on Ghost of a Tale. Actually, before that, I want to know what your knowledge of Ghost of a Tale was before you played the game for this very podcast. Josh, what about you? I know you're you're a fan of mice. <laughs> <laughs> you love it. You love rodents. Yeah, I don't um, know how. I don't know how this escaped my um, my mousy radar. Um, I just had. I don't think I've never heard of it when you put it in the um, in the schedule for for upcoming episodes. I just thought, all oh, right, okay, well, fine. It sounds. Although actually, the the name sort of annoyed me. Um, but yeah, this was uh, the rare one where because even like remothered. Which, in the grand scheme of things, is fairly obscure, I guess. Or, well, not obscure, you know what I mean. Um, I'd still heard of it, mostly because of its uh, ridiculous name. Um, this one, uh, yeah, I just, just completely passed me by. And now, you know, hearing the stuff about Galat talking about sort of working in relative obscurity, it sort of makes me feel bad. I, I wish I had shouted this, you know, mousy game from the rooftops, to be honest. Yeah. What about you, Adam? Had you come across Ghost of a Tale before? Well, look, I have to be honest here, guys. It was me in that mouse suit at the end <laughs> I did not think that video was going to result. No, no, look, I uh, never really, like, I think I once came across an article, I cannot remember what it was, but just something along the lines of there's a dude from DreamWorks who's creating a game and right and that was straight up because I think it was around the time of like dream was kind of thrown out a lot of things like the kung fu pandas and all that kind of stuff and uh mm. I think it was just a bit like oh dreamworks 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 everywhere kind of around the place so that's all but like I never knew what type of game it was going to be or anything like that I did know of it but purely as the the medieval mouse game that took ages to make mm, yeah. but I had never played it uh, so I was I was intrigued before booting it up. Um, there will be some people, though, listening to this that haven't played Ghost of a Tale. And I would say, you'll probably get more out of this podcast if you do play Ghost of a Tale and then listen to it. However, that's okay. Let me try and paint a picture of what the game is actually like, well, what the gameplay is like, so that you can better envision what we're talking about. So, Ghost of a Tale is a third-person action-adventure stealth RPG, as mentioned earlier. You play as this little mouse that must do odd jobs, uh, fetch quests and the like, and you do those quests for a number of NPCs that you run into during your time with the game. You're completing these quests on some modest, yet considerably-sized castle grounds, uh, there are levels, basically, when I say it's considerably sized. Um, yeah, there are there are levels to it. There's like a, a an underground sewer section, catacombs, etc. Uh, and important to note, you must do all of your quests while trying to remain hidden. So there are a lot of rat guards dotted about the place. And if they see you, they're going to twat you up <laughs> real good. And you're a weak little mouse that can't fight back. Then part of the way through the game... 
you get something that renders the stealth redundant. But I know we're going to talk about that in a sec, so I won't dwell on it here. Anyway, other RPG-ness about the game is that you can dress your little mouse in nice little clothes. Uh, that have an impact on your character seems minimal to me but uh, I don't know I'm not a mouse so uh, also there is one quest line that will give you skills Uh, you can pick up items you stick grub down your gob to replenish your health there's a stamina bar lovely RPG-ness anyway that's pretty much Ghost of a Tale or at least that's how it plays now we're going to drill down even further into the game giving you our thoughts on it as we separate the game into different parts we're going to talk about its stealth we're going to talk about its boom boom we're going to talk about uh, our the most noteworthy uh, mission or area in the game Uh, we're going to talk about the story of Ghost of a Tale but first we're going to talk about the stealth who would like to start us off here? Me, me. Okay, Josh, <laughs> before you give us your, your thoughts on the stealth, can you sort of outline how the stealth works for the people listening at home? I can, I can. Uh, so it starts off with it's your so it's line of sight, first of all, break line of sight, hide behind stuff, classic. Uh, you, it, all, it has, there's a strange sort of system where the rats who are your sort of adversaries, the guards, they have, um, let's say, not great eyesight or awareness. And there's a little sort of diamond that pops up uh, near them. And it kind of, uh, it creeps up, this little diamond fills fills up and sort of turns red uh, the more they're about to suddenly become aware that you're there. So it also, so if you if you're just running around, I suppose it's like, you know, noise or whatever, little rat ears hearing you from a few feet away. Uh, So you have to sort of stop in order for that gauge to then go back down. If you stand nice and still, and of course, if they don't see you, the the gauge goes back down. Uh, But you can also uh, creep. You can hold the right trigger to sort of creep. And that means that the gauge won't fill as quickly. However, uh, what I did was just run because uh, I got bored. I, I, I am impatient sometimes. It's not one of my best qualities, but um, <laughs> I, I just wanted... We will, we will get to this later, and I'm not going to go into it now, but it's a game where you're running about an awful lot and you're fetching some stuff, and I just wanted to get to places. So what you can do as part of that gauge is just run and then just stop as long as it doesn't fill the little diamond all the way. Um, mm. And then you just wait for it to go back down and then run and stop. You cu- you kind of don't really ever need to creep. Uh, but you can if you want to, you know, be a creepy little mouse, dude. Um, and that's fun. Um, it's got good vibes. It's one of those games where the vibes of stealth, at least early on, and yeah, we, again, there's another, <clears throat> not game-breaking, but game-changing yeah game changing thing that happens. Um but early on, it's more vibes than it is concrete stealth, if you know what I mean. You know, uh, creep, mm-hmm. creeping around, staying out of sight, enjoying the little animations of the mouse fella, um, sort of soaking it up. And then eventually that sort of gives way, or at least it did for me a little bit. I, I firstly, I'm a big fan of the fact that you can take these rats head on. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. You're a tiny little mouse. Mm. They're giant rats with swords and armor and the like. Why would you be able to take them on? I love all of the little compartments that you as a mouse can hide in, like it, small little cupboards in kitchens or little lockers, little bedside lockers, buckets. I think kind of 
setting it in in this world, it it really does work. Um, when you're a small little mouse and everything feels so much kind of larger than you, and uh, not in a honey, I shrunk the kids way, just in a you know, honey, I am a mouse. <laughs> yes, well, the world the world is made for rats. It's not made for mice. So everything is a little bit bigger. And talking about the rats, the guards are are thick. Uh, uh, I don't have the quote to hand, but one of the characters in the game, probably Silas, who is one of your main allies, if not your main ally mm. throughout, definitely says that the guards are thick. So there's a, there is a really nice in-universe explanation for why a guard will immediately lose interest once, once you break, <laughs> break line of sight. For the record, I want to make it clear, like, it's great. In a stealth game, a guard, like, the AI can't be incredible it can't be precise no it has to go away at some point yeah. yes yeah 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 it might it might be a little quick here i mean ever so slightly but yeah. but it's on the right side of the argument if you know what i mean you'd, you'd rather because you know i guess the other thing is you could have like a a little alert phase where the rats are sort of pissed off and sniffing around a bit yeah, but yeah. in this it's hilarious they've just got instant amnesia they're just like right if there's any these rats are extremely good at it's it's going back to sleep Mm. Like yeah. they're just <laughs> yeah. boom, Gonzo, Zeds, see ya. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. I suppose I'm talking about like how helpless you are, and I really enjoy how how helpless you are. But mm. you do have uh you can't kill guards, but you can knock them out by uh chucking these slime jars over them. Um you throw it at them, they'd slip, fall over, they're knocked out, and you'll have a sort of There'll be a little uh, a ring around their head, and when that fills, I think it is they they're back alive and no longer knocked out. Mm. I like the fact that you can't just eliminate a guard because it. Well, I suppose it wouldn't work for the purposes of something that happens in the story later on, where you can actually chat to guards, etc. But uh, even when it comes to the the gameplay itself, like I'm glad you can't eliminate guards because. It puts you in a point of weakness versus the guards, I suppose, you know, like you can just temporarily make the threat go away, but you can never permanently make the threat go away. Mm. I, I, I was a big fan of it. What, what about you, Adam? How, how did you find it? Uh, so like starting off, I felt that like, you know, like any stealth game, you're you're immediately wondering how much stealth is it going to be? How strong is it going to be in that regards? But um, I thought like it, it, it didn't take me long to realise that uh, what you were saying, Josh, you know, you just, you can start running and get away quite quickly mm. or just r- run past these these rats when they're just lying there and they'll ignore you. And that's great and everything like that. I felt I did that, I'd say, after an hour of playing this game. I was like, all right, look, this is just what it is. No, <laughs> I was, I was, I was either kind of, I was doing this and kind of going to myself, am I, am I ruining the the fun aspect of it in its stead, probably, but at the same time, I was like, mm, there's, there's, there's not a great satisfaction out of the stealth. Yeah. Um, I, I think the, the more I was playing and the more I started realizing that there is actually like uh, an incredible amount of like dis- discovery in the game. Like you go into a room and you can just like climb on every shelf and you could miss a ton of stuff. Like, like there's a lot of, mm areas in rooms that you kind of would it doesn't really point oh you can go all the way up to that shelf and you'll find a map i'm yeah. telling you you'll find it like it it doesn't do any of that stuff and when i realized that was happening i was kind of more keen on just like 
focusing on that than I would be like trying to get around like an enemy or something mm. because it, it was just a case of bombing along grand job there was only one area in particular that was like uh, quite a frustrating area it was when there was like I think there's like four rats and they're all asleep in beds and there's like these like uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. chests at the end of the bed like that area in particular was the one area I was like oh, I can't do what I've been doing the whole time which is just like <laughs> jumping around the gaff and so basically the part that forced you to be stealthy <laughs> yeah like, it was the one so part with the event you have to do what you're doing here now you know but uh, so did you play the game like genuinely like, did you just run around and like never hide no no like every time I came to a new area with a new setup let's say like I would I would I would attempt to see how far I can go with it. Like, do if you remember, there's that one area where you push the barrel down on top of the fella who's guarding the door. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you do that once and you go grind. I was like, that's perfect. I'm going to go this way. That's great. Whatever. Every time I had to then backtrack, I was just like, oh, see you later. I'm just going to bomb past you. And that's yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So like you, it's, it's, it's odd it's odd when it gets to those kind of stages where like you push that barrel and that's the only time you do that in the game then to that particular, no, I don't expect the barrel to keep loading up every time I go into the room. But <laughs> the fact that there's no way of fully getting rid of the enemy, it's, it just became tedious then mm. to do any sort of stealth thing. Okay. So I just, I would just be like, right, I'm just running. Cause there is an insane amount of backtracking in this game, mm. which is fine. Mm. It's fine, but like when that was there, I was like, ah, I'm now just more, as I said, into just going to the rooms and finding what I can find and that'd be that. But I did enjoy, like, as you say, Colm, like um, the the way they designed the whole thing of like just hiding in a little buckle and stuff, it, that added a ton of charm. And I think like the visual aesthetic that's going on throughout the game is 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 fantastic to show off all that kind of stuff. So mm even though I didn't do much of it, if I had to like jump in, in one of those things, I, I thought it was quite charming. I was like, God, oh, this is, this is not, it wasn't overly frustrating and I get by pretty quickly on it, you know, but I wouldn't think like the stealth was incredible by any means. And you weren't keen to fire a stick in a direction to, or a bottle to lure a guard to a certain area so that you could like nip past them or whatever. Like, you you didn't use those distraction items at all. Not but not really. No, I think like I, I suppose we'll I'll get more into that in in the boom boom section. But I didn't use it for distracting. Like a lot of like those items, I felt like I just I was keeping a lot of it for like lighting a fire or something like that. I felt like I needed mm-hmm. to keep these things in order to like maybe progress somewhere, like throwing like throwing it at a bridge thing to knock it down. Like you know, I I didn't want to waste. I didn't want to waste them on the enemies when I knew that it just was, it was just going to knock them out for a few minutes, you know, like, or a few seconds. I just went, nah, if I can run past you, I'm going to keep doing that to save all my inventory. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. There was one thing that you mentioned, Josh, and I alluded to it as well. I mean, I'm guessing we're talking about the same thing, and that is the clothes that you wear as Tilo, Tilo, Tilo. Tilo Green. There's, yeah. there's... <laughs> one um and we will not forget about this mouse or maybe we will find out later (laughs) in the show um but there there is one outfit that you get like it has such an impact on on the game yeah 
Well, it stops the game, really. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, essentially, yeah. So, like, look, may, maybe one of you might have a better memory than I. And of course, the nature of this game is that one of you could have done a certain mission before slash after I did, but at one point in the game, you come across a guard's uniform. Um, you do a mission. I think for the command... No, 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 it's Silas. Silas yeah. gets you, yeah. I think it was maybe a third of the way in for me. I'm guessing, though. About about that, yeah, for me too, I think. Did you get it, Adam? Did you? Yeah, I got it, yeah. I, I don't think you can miss the guard's uniform. You can miss opportunities to upgrade it, but before that... So, yeah, you uh. get this... this ar- you get the armour, and basically you don't move very quickly in it at all. Yeah. Uh, but it does allow you to move about the castle without a care in the world. Mm. Yeah. As I said, you can do side quests for one NPC, and I'm pretty sure it's the commander, and they will then allow you to upgrade the armor that so that you can move a bit more swiftly mm. while while wearing it. it. It's not near the speed you can go in the other armor, yeah. but it is still, it's quite the improvement. Mm. Basically, what, once you have this armor, you can pootle about the world of Ghost of a Tale and you don't have to be bothered about running up against anybody mm. because mm. every guard that sees you will just treat you as one of their own. Yeah. A- again, despite the size difference, but as I said, it's already been established that these guards are thick, <laughs> so it's genuinely, it's fine. In universe, it works. Now, a side quest eventually opens up where you have to chat to guards in order to find out who is part of a smuggling ring. Uh, it's, it's a whole thing. And chatting to them while wearing armour essentially changes what they are. And that is a really cool twist on what the guards originally are because they are a threat they are something you always have to worry about whereas once you've changed your outfit they become more npcs that you can chat to mm. and as i say like it, it opens up an entire and that's what i was on about when i said like i know you can't kill them because mm. you need to be able to chat to them because of this side mm. quest whatever else but with all that said once i had that armor i'd be lying if i said i didn't abuse the absolute shite out of it. Mm. Because, because what, why would oh, like, <laughs> the, the, the penalty for using the armor, is, it wasn't all that it's bad. It's not much of a trade-off, is it? The- <laughs> Especially when, like, I, I think I, don't, I upgraded it to the max as well. Which you, so you can do that fairly quickly. And it's, yes, you can't tear around the place like you can if you're wearing the thief costume or the pirate costume or the ranger costume. Mm, yeah. But, it's it's an acceptable trade-off. Oh, yeah. 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 It, it reminded me a bit, and we might talk about this somewhere down the line, but it reminded me a bit of detective mode in Batman Arkham Asylum. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Because getting the armour at first, I liked, because it allowed me to explore areas with ease that I previously hadn't, and, you know, the, it made the guards appear as, like, something... Uh, they acted as something different in my game, but it does come too soon and with little hindrance. Yeah. Mm. Perhaps you can, like, you know, playing dangerous, of course, playing armchair developer, but like maybe you could wear the armor for a set amount of time before it becomes mm. too heavy, or maybe it heats up in the sun and becomes too hot for Tilo and starts draining your health. Mm. So you can't wear it in the daytime, or maybe. You can't wear it when your health is below a certain point or 
Or they could maybe do what they did in in Hitman, uh, where you you could wear the clothes of your enemies, but you would still have to sort of if they looked at you, you'd you'd Mm. kind of turn your head and look the other way, and like if you started running, they'd be like, "Wait, why are you running? Chill out!" Like they could maybe sort of clip its wings a little bit with stuff like that to make so it's like, "Well, you still have to be kind of careful." This is sort of funny in Ghost of a Tale because it's like. He does that stupid little run. You just sort of clanking about the place like a maniac. Um, it's a complete <laughs> get out of jail free card. All pun intended. There basically there isn't enough consequence, or that well, there's no consequence for for it apart from the it's going to take you a little bit longer to get about the place. That's the thing you see. Like there's a part where like I feel like the consequences that are supposed to be in this game, I don't think were aimed to. It, this game was not aimed to be like an absolute like just an all out challenge it just it's nowhere near that whatsoever I think it's challenge is just in in its kind of like trying to figure out where you're going what you're supposed to get and blah 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 but I do have to say like the 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 trade off with the with the armor like I did really only like use the armor say when I was in like the courtyard because there's like a like every time I wanted to go up those steps I just wanted to get past that guy or whatever <laughs> yeah, and yeah. if I if I ever went back to the jail if I had to go back to the jail I would then just take it off and just run like I'd just be like whatever oh, yeah. so, Fair because I, I just I just felt at that stage I knew that those kind of areas like so well because mm. I was just I spent so much time just going around that area but uh, I wouldn't bother doing it because I was like I'll just get through this quick here and I want to be grand but then once I went to Rolo and he like sorted it out for me and just was like oh, oh, Lighten that up there for you know, and you can tear around the gaff as well. I'd be like, brilliant, that's fantastic. Cheers, I. Once you get that, and it's, it's a bit, it's a bit of a trick to get those upgrades. I feel for it, like, but once you do that, then you're kind of like, all right, this is all right. I leave it on now. But um, the outfits in general are pretty funny. Like I thought, like to, but there was just a point where I went, well, sure, if I have this, I don't want any other one. I don't care. It's 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 overpowered. Yeah, and I think you must be in a kind of a tough position. Uh, Galat Galay, um, because if you've sort of got something which is like yeah, a little bit like the immersive sim in the sense that you have that one environment and the nature of the game is mm. you endlessly have to keep going back and forth. <clears throat> it's almost like it's almost not even well, I suppose it is backtracking, but it's just that it doesn't feel linear progression. It's like you're in this environment, and again, you know, a little bit like Dark Souls, that environment deepens and widens and reveals more stuff. Yeah, it must be tough developing it because you've got to think, well, I'm going to ask the player to just come back here just a bunch of times and. I know that they're not going to want to stealth it every time. So it's almost like he has to give you the trump card that just lets you, if you just think, right, I just need to get there because I need this book. And right now I kind of can't be asked with the stealth. I just want to get this thing done. So I feel like that's why it's in there. But then, yeah, the pro, as we sort of touched on, it then becomes a bit like the detective vision where it's like, well, hang on, why would I take this off? <laughs> so it, it is a real... Uh, yeah, rock and a hard place, I think. If it came a little bit later... That would be better, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Th- then it it just wouldn't stand out as much. Maybe if it was like, you know, oh, 75% of the way through, if you just want to clear up all your quests that you've got left over, here's the armour, you can just go and run around and clear, get 100% easier or something. But yeah, you're right, getting it a third of the way through or, or whatever it is, perhaps a bit early. However, 
still a lot of fun seeing the little mouse fella in the barrels, isn't it, Josh? <laughs> yeah, that's that was the best. That's the best thing in the game, to be fair. Um, <laughs> the best thing. Throw him to the barrel. Look at that, no, the game of the year moment. <laughs> incredible i i was i kept shrieking when he got in that barrel and because he and that's a great testament to um to the to the animation and stuff that Mm. that it can really make a game it's like when we were talking about sly cooper you know whatever the sort of chassis is underneath if you make it a stupid little raccoon with a bushy tail i'm 100 percent there for that and if you put this little mouse in a because it's the way he gets in the barrel but he looks terribly worried about everything as he would be and then he sort of peep, peeps <laughs> over the top and uh, what amazing animations by the way even uh, just yeah i kept just being amazed that one person well yeah even if it came from a whole team just a little ear twitching, whisker stuff. The way he kind of holds his little hands up in the air, it, yeah, it it elevates the game for me to another to another level than it would be without it. Yeah, certainly, it's an absolute delight. So that is what we thought of the stealth. We're going to take a quick little break, and then we're going to talk about the boom boom. Right. Now it is time to talk about Robin, Kim, Donnie and Denise's favourite part of the show. Yes, the Venga Boys, because it's time to talk about the boom boom of Ghost of a Tale. So this is where we discuss, it's essentially morphed into the other gameplay elements of the game. So, you know, other things that aren't stealth. And the first thing that I wanted to talk about was the RPG-ness of Ghost of a Tale because I would have loved it if I had a little bit more RPG in my stealth RPG. Mm. So I I say that whilst appreciating that this was an absolutely teeny tiny team. Yeah. Like I I get that. But I would be lying if I said I I wouldn't have enjoyed just a touch more (laughs) of a role-playing game. For example, a lot of missions you do for NPCs are basically fetch quests. uh, And I'll talk about that later, so I don't have to dwell on it now. Mm. But another kind of RPG aspect of the game is that there are these dialogue exchanges. Basically, a character will ask you to write a song. You'll then be given four different dialogue options. And if you choose the correct one, then you move on to the next line of the song. Mm. If you choose the incorrect dialogue option, then what appears to my eyes, uh, what appears to be an arbitrary number goes down. (laughs) Maybe it's associated with how much XP you'll get at the end of the song composition. But I, I, I don't know. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah, maybe. The, the only thing I do know is that I'm pretty sure you can't fail those. Because I didn't. No. Like, even if you keep getting it wrong, I'm pretty sure you can't. I spoke about the armor earlier, uh, but there are a number of other different outfits. There's a, a pirate, a thief, a monarch. And typically, though, these outfits will have a purpose for one mission. And that's kind of it. Yeah. Like, the pirate one, you must gather all parts of... Uh, the pirate costume in order to trick uh, a frog, the, the <laughs> aforementioned frog, yeah, Carol, yeah. into thinking that you're a famous pirate so that then he'll give you a key. Uh, I think it's a key. I'm pretty I think sure it's a key. key. Yeah. No, as good as that is, and as as much as I enjoyed going into him just wearing my minstrel outfit and him going, ah, oh, piss off, you 
shit mouse and then going outside the door putting on my my pirate stuff walking around the corner again and him going ah oh, look my friends my old friends <laughs> yeah like, as much as I, I I enjoy that and I do like after that that after you get the key from Carol then it's sort of like I don't know what do I do with this pirate costume yeah, although we we have to point out that the upside that and you'll you'll carry this with you for the rest of your life is seeing the little mouse fella with a little king's crown on his head or with a little twat pirate hat on and that's worth the price of of, of entry alone for as far yeah. as i'm concerned but yeah your point stands yeah they they're what they're one they're one offs but boy what one offs though come on true true yeah like, and and they do have a, a little bit of an impact on your uh, some stats attached to your character like if you go if you bring up your inventory you can see what impact they have on a couple of things like your stamina mm. your uh, I think your your quiet like how, how loud you are how well hidden you are mm. it's like speed isn't there they, they, they make you quicker yeah yeah so, so they do kind of impact different different aspects but on the whole yeah it is a sort of a one and done and I, I, I don't know, like, did, would you have appreciated more kind of role-playing game aspects, Adam, or were you happy with its light RPG-ness? I, I, can, I can understand what you're saying, but I was, I was happy with the, the light side of it because there was already enough going on for me personally. Like, there is an abundance of quests that keep popping up. Like, there are so many side quests, and I kind of started focusing so much on them that like I, I just didn't want anything else. So I was kind of like, this is fine. This will do me grand. But I can see what you're saying. But like the, the more I was playing the game, I, I felt it would have been kind of just a bit more. It would have been kind of tacked on for just the sake of saying it's an RPG, a very heavily based RPG. But like, no, I didn't think it personally needed us. They went very deep with other things personally for me. I mean, may, maybe I'm on an island. I don't know. Do, do you... Think similar, Josh? No, I, I, it's tough, you know, because whenever I, with stuff like that, when it when you know it's such a small team, I always feel really mean um, <laughs> with with this kind of thing. But I do hear you, and there was, and actually, I, I think it is a good point because it's one thing that would have helped. Uh, as I saw, I was I was kind of saying earlier with the stealth, it is a bit. It, let's just put the guards' uniform to one side for a second. The actual sort of stealth itself, I think, does need a little bit of zhuzh, a little bit of spruce, and I think some extra RPG stuff would have would have helped with that. Um, you know, being able to sort of tailor your approach a little bit more—that's where the RPG stuff really comes in handy with stealth games. So yeah, I I I I I, uh, I do agree with you. Um, not not you know not a, not a deal breaker, but yeah, could 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 have used a little more for sure. One thing that there isn't an awful lot of in the game. We've already spoken about it a little bit, but I don't really know whether you lads, you would have preferred more or not. Um, but yeah, the, the I suppose in getting into the essence of this section of the podcast, the boom, boom, the, there isn't an awful lot of it in the game. There isn't a lot of shooting or whacking rats with your, with a sword or anything like that. Cause there isn't any of it really. But you do get a, a couple of items, I guess. Well, what did you think of the, I want to say the violence <laughs> in the game, the violence and vandalism, Adam? Well, look, 
I suppose it comes to no surprise that even though there's no, there's not a whole pile of boom boom in this game, I felt like I was creating my own, given the fact that I didn't really do much of the stealth. So, like, given the whole, like, running away from everyone was just causing havoc alone and kind of all that, I thought, like, the... You were asking me why did I use items for distracting, like, like to, to draw them away. I didn't do that, but I threw them at them every now and then, you know, just for just for the comedic effect really yeah. and just to kind of like see the animation unfold um, you do I did I did enjoy uh, burning the banners I had great satisfaction so with that I. for some reason yeah I, uh, yeah so, so did I yeah basically there is a and you don't actually get this mission until quite late on the game so you're just burning banners for the last <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah but you, you find out I think it's 13 banners you have to burn because basically you're kind of part of like the rebellion and you're not happy with the you know the these banners of the Oppre- oppressive the, the uh, kingdom. regime yes. why does it feel so good then guys because we all burn these ba- was it just the flame animations were particularly pleasing it's nice it's just nice yeah. isn't it it's just like oh yeah some cloth i'll burn that <laughs> but there's a, there's a danger to it as well because yeah like it's as soon and it feels like he could be around the corner and he'll sniff a flame <laughs> oh jeez he's aware of it like as soon as you light that banner like a rat from four towns over will be like what's happening over there yeah uh, hey hey you're that yeah and you have to be like oh shit 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 get, get back into my armour quickly because you can't you can't light things uh, when dressed in the, the armour yeah. so it, it is enjoyable you get 25 XP yes yeah. so I was just like as you, as, as, as you said like not knowing what you're doing only for the XP but then it comes a mission you're like oh jeez I'm well ahead of the game here this is brilliant <laughs> fantastic but yeah, I I enjoyed that, and then like later on, I found I like this is a very random item to get, but you just end up picking up exploding pine cones, which yeah. was just like right, yo, then I'm definitely going to start throwing these around the gaff anyway, absolutely. Um, so then I found that like a little mouse with exploding pine cones just was mighty crack altogether. So like, I definitely would say that I had more fun, even though it's light. On its action and it's 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 boom boom. I I definitely more fun, and I almost feel like the game is designed for you to have more fun in this area than it is in its stealth. Oh, do you think so? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because as as I keep saying, the stealth isn't a challenge. So, mm-hmm. like, if if your stealth isn't going to be a challenge, and it opens up this thing by giving you exploding pine cones and lighting banners on fire. <laughs> They obviously want you to kind of nearly have the crack because I, I, you can imagine as well, like this, this, this small team, when you're designing a stealth game, I imagine you want to be, if you're focusing on the stealth, you want it to be fair mm. and you don't want it to be like a stress or a frustration or any of that. So I feel that they didn't want to take the risk in making that area super challenging, which is why they were like, but you know what though, they'll have a bit of, we like this little animation here to do this and that, whatever. You can see where, I think anyway, that they were kind of finding more enjoyment out of it. Like, you know, they are still very much wanting to do stealth, but I I don't know. It just, it's definitely more crack with when you're just letting loose, I think. I I think it's very much in addition to, because you're never overloaded with like taking pine cones uh, as as an Mm. example. And, And... like I, I, I loved the pine cones. I love the fact that they explode on contact. Why do they do that? 
don't know, don't care. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. matter. Don't think you're, about it. Yeah. You're a little mouse going and rocking about the place, burning banners in this rat-controlled world. <laughs> Pine cones can explode. That's cool. Like, would you would you have preferred more boom boom, Josh? Did did you like the amount of action? The 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 pine cones, the chuck and the slime jars, all that. Well, you know. <laughs> I didn't really chuck a lot of stuff at the rats, I have to say. I quite I, grew, I was quite fond of the rats for, for various reasons, which maybe we'll get into. But um, I thought they were quite good little lads. Um, but I do like chucking stuff at the spiders, and that definitely counts as boom boom, because um, they were horrible, and throwing things at them was good, much like in real life. I, I think I maybe enjoyed this, the sneaking and this... At, the sneaking and the sneaking vibes a little more uh, than Adam, though I do agree with his point. Um, but I think the boom boom balance was all right. You know, I think I don't think I'd, it was crying out for more. But I do, yeah, I think I had a bit. I had a better time creeping around. You see, so that's that's probably why the boom boom that was there, um, dropping the barrel on that rat's bloody head was great fun. Um, but yeah, no, I wasn't very... I, I have to say, I didn't do any of the distracting stuff. Um, I know we sort of touched on that earlier. That's that's nah, that's not really boom, boom, boom I, I guess. I don't know. Nah. But yeah, no, I... I, I yeah, I, I didn't chuck it at the rats, but I also just didn't... I found the aim. Uh, did you guys find the little aiming reticule? Just like a little bit weird and swervy. Like you'd try and put it somewhere and it'd kind of just like whip a little bit to the left or the right. It was a little bit... Maybe that was just me on the Steam Deck or something. I I found it a bit funny. I don't think I noticed anything, but I, again, I I didn't really use the items to distract all that much. Like I, I just used them to fire them. To I, I just used them as objects to chalk at the rats themselves. And when you do that, it sort of like auto locks. Out That's the true. Rats. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but no, I'd say you know, boom, boom, balance on the whole was 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 decent enough for me. Enough amusing, boom, boom. Uh, but mainly good creeping vibes. So that's the boom boom of Ghost of a Tale. So now it's time to talk about the most noteworthy mission or level, or well, not really level, most noteworthy mission or area of Ghost of a Tale, I suppose. Adam, why don't you start us off? Because I think you're saying a lot by what you've written down on this document. So yeah, what what was your the 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 mission that stood out to you? <laughs> Yeah, I kind of I kind of said this earlier on, but like there's for me, I can't really pick a, a, a certain mission because like the game doesn't really hit you with big moments. And I just thought like, as I said, the fetch quests and the backtracking was it was pretty relentless. So it it, it, it doesn't let up in that. I don't know how you lads felt on this, but like. If if I, I can't even I can't even remember exactly what the uh, the little jingle was every time a a, a a quest appeared it was going doodling doodling or something like that it was driving me insane it was so fu- it was so irritating but like it, it got to a stage where I was like are this is this serious like is how many missions have just started and how many items do I have to get? And I'd look at the list and I was like, oh my God, that is, that is a serious moment because if I'm brutally honest, one of the, heart, one of the most soul-destroying things really is, if you do find one, is a map. And when you get that map, oh my God, that map is 
dog shit. Like it is, <laughs> it, 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 you've, I've no idea where I'm going. Like it, it, I felt like a lot of my, lot of my adventure was just like pure luck in what I discovered or like paid off. Oh, you can pay, you can pay like, I think Rolo, I think. And there's like the two little mice lads, Mike, you can pay them money to give you hints for wherever you think something is, whatever. But overall, it's, it's just one entire whole mission for me the whole thing so there was never really any kind of like massive moment unless you lads had something I, I really didn't at all so like it, it sounds like basically the size of the game was an issue to you because you were coming across the same well what, what are there like f- four? five four or five what, areas five yeah. yeah yeah about that around that like and you spend for a fair chunk of the time like you were spending it mainly in the courtyard area, um, a little bit back in the jail here and there, and in the catacombs, I think. Like they're the kind of, but you spend a lot of time in the courtyard. There's a lot of stuff of like just discovery. But then, like, I think if I was going to pick like anything like of a moment, let's say, I think as I said, it's just that discovery that kind of like, oh, I can go up here or whatever. Uh, cool, I found this item or I found this key and I didn't realise, oh, that key is back in the jail for something. And I, that was kind of like the moments for me. They're not really moments, but they were in this mm. game. And I suppose that's where I was kind of getting my satisfaction from, I guess. But uh, yeah, nothing, nothing really else. It was just, and it's not like the game is, like, it's not, it's not massive, but it's surprisingly big. Uh, for the type of game it is, along with the actual overall length of the game. Like, I played, like, I don't know about you guys, but I think this game took me maybe close to 10 hours to finish. I think it was, fifth, yeah, look, just looking at Steam, 15. Yeah, maybe maybe it probably was that. And I did not expect that at all. So, like, the amount of stuff the game was actually throwing at me, I was like, whoa, that's, we're, we're really taking off into these things. But, yeah, I suppose overall, it's the whole experience I would talk about <laughs> really is what stood out, I guess, because I just I just can't really pick anything. I'll take from there because I think you brought up a couple of points that I also wanted to chat about. And the mission I was gonna talk about was Beetle Hunt. And I'm 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 using this kind of as an example, really. Uh and that's why this I think is the most noteworthy, because I think it it sums up a lot of the missions in the game. So it's the first time you meet Silas, who is your rat friend. He asks you to go over to the corner of this rooftop that he's at and pick up something or grab something. And when you do, you open a cage and seven scap beetles, which are just <laughs> massive beetles, uh, fly out and they fly up all into different parts of the courtyard. Right. Then you go back to Silas and he says, ah, shite. Listen, you, would you be able to get them, would you? And then obviously you're like, yes, of course. RPG, I will get, what, what do you want? And I'll get it for you. There's a couple of things in this that sort of highlight a few issues I have with some of the, and I should say, this is a side quest. I mean, if, if you didn't get it enough, but yeah, this is a side quest. So like, these are some of the issues I have with the side quest. The first thing is, something I'm calling the Tenshu map problem. You said it there, Adam, a while yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Perfect example. It is a very nice looking map. Like when <laughs> you pull the map up, it's like, oh, doesn't this look lovely and very map-like? 
Very medieval looking. It's it's all tonally yeah. there. It's all working out. But essentially, it's useless because it's too confusing. Areas of the environment aren't differentiated enough on the map. It's it's hard to tell where there are levels. It's hard to tell like what's a wall that you can't go through and what's a building and what's this that and the other. It's just it's it's a difficult thing to parse. Another thing is that the reward isn't worth the side quest investment. No. And again, I'm just talking about this particular mission, but there are other ones that I could choose from as well. Like in this, when you get all of se- all seven beetles, I'm pretty sure uh, Silas says, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> nice one. It's all about the journey. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he says, thanks very much. Here's a key for a chest that's in his, in his little house where he, near to where he is. Uh, you go in, you open that chest and you get like three candles. Candles are a dime a dozen all kicking about the place. Uh, you get like three candles or something. You get a fate card or maybe two. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that's it. I mean, you get XP as well, of course. Yeah. But like a lot of the time, that's what happens when you finish a side quest. You'll mm. get XP. You'll get a couple of sticks, maybe a bit of cheese. Lovely stuff. Mm. Love a bit of cheese. I'm a mouse. But, you know, I, 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 I'd prefer something else as mm. well. Maybe. Yeah. And the, the final thing, is the the amount of times that side quests open up new side quests. You mentioned this as well, Adam. This happens with this beetle hunt. Like the first time you talk to Silas, you come away with like three or four <laughs> different side quests or something. Yeah, it's but, bananas. Like. But there, w- there is one guy in the sewers called the Apothecarist <laughs> who is, yeah, he's just kicking about. He's making all his potions, whatever else. When you, when you go to, to them, you hand in one mission and he tells you, if you go off and collect a few mushrooms, he'll do something for you. Or no, six flowers, I think it is. So I did that. I went back to him and he said, oh, brilliant. Now I have two other side quests for you. And one side quest is you have to collect something like 16 mushrooms during the day. The other side quest is you have to collect like 24 mushrooms at night. The biggest issue is that they don't feel unique are interesting enough a lot of the time, the side quests. Yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot of busy work. Yeah. And the, the reward isn't worth the time investment. Yeah, for sure. I'd agree. It's, it's sort of, I think it's padding. I think they built this lovely environment and then they just thought, well, it shouldn't be a three hour game. It should be a eight hour game. You know, let's, let's put some, I do remember the mushrooms, the, whatever it's called, junior mycologist quest and expert mycologist yes. quest it's like bloody hell all right there's nighttime ones now as well but yeah uh, but but like it, you know yeah. i it just it stood out with regards to the the side quest whereas i think a lot of the main quests do hit quite well and i think you're yeah. even that's one that you wanted to talk about josh yeah it? that's what I got, and i sort of just speaking to adam's point like it is uh, they're in a really weird position because on the one hand you've got this non-linear environment and you're encouraged to backtrack loads uh, but it's also you know not really an immersive sim it it kind of is a linear thing they want to move you through a story the reason I chose uh, this particular thing which is called Mystery of the Catacombs 
it's one of the main story missions was just because I thought, well, I'll pick that one because it's the one that takes you through to a certain couple of bits of the map at a certain time and shows you some cool stuff. And I think when, when the, you know, I didn't do an awful lot of the side stuff. I did mostly stick to the main quests just because I sort of saw that come in. I sort of thought, uh, I don't know if I'm up for like 11 hours of this. I think my overall clear time was like around eight hours. I'll double check that though because I barged through. But yeah, so I chose Mystery of the Catacombs because I thought the catacombs were really, really cool. The whole game, I really loved the way that the map continue to open up as you said adam like it's not massive it's not just in terms of sheer size but it surprises you how deep it goes and how new bits keep opening up in it new doors and stuff you're like oh this door brings me here again exactly very dark souls very like oh oh i've come back around and i'm here again well i like the um mystery of the catacombs because the catacombs themselves were cool um and it gets you into the great hall which reminded me of the cistern from the first Tomb Raider game. And I just thought, oh, this is just a lovely classic video game level type thing. You know, it's like there's water and Mm. sort of really high ceilings and echoey darkness. I thought, oh, this is really atmospheric. Plus, I really didn't like the spiders, but in a kind of good way. Like they're meant to be creepy bastard spiders. And they really did. I just thought, oh, God, that's horrible. It's the boom boomiest part of the whole yeah. game, isn't it? Yeah. Really, you got to chuck like three or four things. At, Pine yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was chucking bottles or something at them, and they do that horrible shriek that they do when they're when they're. Ugh, um, but then in that in that quest, it also take you see. I want to say uh, Dwinlan, Dwinlan, Dwinlan. The Lady Dwinlan, you know the ghost. Oh yes, yes, yes. You see Lady Dwinlan's ghost. Uh, and then you see a magpie. I call. I thought it was a giant magpie. Thinking about it logically, it's just a normal size magpie. But I am a mouse, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but and so it it was this really nice thing of oh the game's totally changed in like half an hour. You know, it went from that courtyard. You you spend a lot a lot of time in that courtyard early on, and you sort of get to know the the the, the same sort of three to four bits of map. Um, you sort of get quite comfy comfortable and run around. And then these areas were scary, which was good because I know you sort of said earlier, kind of like uh, where he's a mouse and he's scared of everything, but like. I wasn't scared of everything. And I think that was why this bit was good. It sort of made me a bit on edge again. Didn't like the spiders, didn't like the darkness. Actually sort of felt little Tilo Green's pain on that one. And uh, and I just sort of thought, it's got nice vibes. There's enough echoes of like Dark Souls with that gigantic bird and like a nice little bit of fantasy that's done well. And it sort of reminded me of like a really dark... Uh, kind of old like Disney thing, like a fantasy thing. I, I wrote down Don, very Don Bluth, because it sort of reminded me of that. That, that well, actually, it's funny because we were talking about Basil the Great Mouse Detective earlier on this episode, so it's all it's all come <laughs> yes. full circle in a very good way. Um, but yeah, Mystery of the Catacombs. Uh, that was the bit. That was the bit where I went. That's Ghost of a Tale. That little nugget is what this game is and what it does well and what I like about it. So yeah, that is the Boom Boom. That is the most noteworthy uh, missions or levels or areas. So let's take a quick break and then we'll be back in just a moment to talk about the story and any other bits and bobs that we want to bring up about Ghost of a Tale. Right, let's chat about the story. 
of Ghost of a Tale. Could I be so bold to start us off, lads? <laughs> Go for it, yeah. Something I really like about Ghost of a Tale stories that you can, if you want, go super deep with it and see it as uh, an allegory for oppression. Mm. Or you can just think it's a nice little kid's story about a heroic mouse and their friends. <laughs> Either way you want to take it, this thing is brimming with character. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the, the story revolves around something called the War of the Green Flame. And that takes place years and years before Ghost of a Tale. It takes place in Dwindling Heights, which is in Ghost of a Tale. When you're playing the game, you feel its impact. Its impact has been felt throughout the years in, in this land. Basically, this supernatural and undead army, the one that you meet at the very end of the game, they start destroying everything in the world, every species, just everything. The mice try to plead with this supernatural force. They tell this thing about the weaknesses of other kingdoms and animals but it doesn't matter. The green flame just absolutely destroy the mice, leaving them completely annihilated. And also, everyone now knows that the mice were traitors and ra- like were basically trying to sell everyone up the river. So the mice then lost their seat at the kind of count, like the this council of all the animal kingdoms. They essentially royally fucked it. Um, anyway, the rats fought off the undead army. They won the battle and then created this rat empire where the mice were seen as lower class and treated as such by the rats. And as Tilo, whenever, I don't know, you chat to, like, say, Silas or or Rolo, the the blacksmith, when you chat to any rats, when you chat to Kerold, the frog, who is, again, as I said earlier, like the first NPC that you come across, like their dialogue is laced with abuse for Tilo and just mice in general. And it's the first time you hear the word scrunt, <laughs> which um, <laughs> in the game, like all the ghost of a taily words have, uh, you can bring up a little footnotes about them. And <laughs> scrunt, uh, it, uh, I don't have it to hand, but it basically says like, Oh, this is the worst thing anyone can be called. Uh, so yeah, Carol is just absolutely hurling abuse at him. But at the same time, if you don't want to see the mice as a metaphor for like insert oppressed people mm-hmm. here and the rats as oppressor here, you can just see it as a pleasant fairy tale about how a mouse is currying favour with a number of you know, misfit toys, the peculiar characters along the way to be eventually reunited with their wife. Mm. It's it's so, and strike me down for saying it, but it is so charming, isn't it? Like the writing is, is so full of life mm. and every character has a tone and a delivery that feels them, even though, and this is the first time I suppose mentioning it, it's all on screen text. There's not mm-hmm. a single bit of voice acting in this game. And again, a lot of that is going to come down to the fact that this was made, like, uh, you know, I'm guessing, but it's going to come down to the fact that this was made by a very, very small team mm-hmm. and voice acting can cost a pretty penny. So it's, uh, it, it, it really impressed yeah, me. Yeah, it does convey character quite handily considering there's no voice stuff. It was impressive. What did you think of it, Josh? I really liked it. I, yeah, to, to echo a lot of your points, I really liked it. I thought the way that the world was built 
was very, very nice. Um, I thought it was subtle. I love the idea of doing those little word definitions that it did. It sort of highlight words in yellow and you could, it was completely up to you. It is nice when stuff's not sort of foisted on you when you can, if you're intrigued, you can sort of have a little, have a little look, but you you know, it doesn't sort of force it. And I actually found I really wanted to, uh, to kind of dig into it. And I thought uh, to, to buy into the sort of, the kind of oppressed people angle. Uh, I did like the idea of it sort of upended my expectations a little bit because, you you know, you start out and you think the rats are, you know, uh, bastards. And of course, you know, they are in a lot of ways, but um, they are, they all, they also are the only ones that managed to actually stop this green fire that seemed to be consuming the world. They sort of, you know, had mm-hmm. to be very, very brave and be willing to, to die, I suppose, to, to, to stop it. And so I guess it, 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 you can feel quite conflicted because then they're obviously very, very angry with the mice who are collaborators, I guess, with this green flame and trying to give the green flame tips on how to burn various people more effectively. Um, so the rats were like, well, screw you. Then, of course, that comes with its own problems. Um, so it, it really was interesting being caught in the middle. And, of course, you know, little Tilo not having much to do with any of it, but being a minstrel. And then you sort of think, oh, well, actually, <clears throat> in a way, he's like maybe the most important because minstrels, you know, in the oral tradition would would continue stories and would carry stories forth to newer generations. And it was surprising. It was lovely. I think it's disarming in the best possible way. And it, and, and it manages to do the light and dark stuff in a really clever way. I think you do instinctively go little mad, little mouse in a bucket. Brilliant. But then you sort of go, oh, actually, there's if you want it, there's a whole lot of stuff here. And it doesn't deal with it in a oh the rats are bastards and the, and the mice are oppressed it's like well mm. yeah but the, this is look at what the mice did and you know and then you sort of think oh yeah god yeah but the rats are oppressing them as well so <laughs> I, I really it was nice to grapple with i thought well f- f- fair enough didn't see it coming and uh, shame on me really there is some depth there yeah absolutely what about you adam how did you find the the story yeah, I'd agree with you, lads. I think, like, I thought the story was, I thought it was very well written, to be fair. Um, like, I, I cared immediately at the start, like, of 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 Tilo's journey. I was like, oh, I hope to God he finds his wife. Uh, it, and it, like, considering you don't even, you don't even see the wife, yeah. like, mm-hmm. at the start of the game or anything, you know, so you're not, you, you have no image, you're just like, oh, poor fella, what's going on? And I think like with, with its with its setting in a world, it really adds that extra layer of uh of depth to it all. Um and just being a minstrel and stuff like that, it's all it's all like it's all quirky, but I guess that's what that's where the strength of the developer, like, you know, that that's what he's that's what mm-hmm. he's doing all the time, I guess, for the majority of his life. But you touched upon it, Conum, and I have to say that like um with it being majority with it being all text. Um, I felt yes, it was a small team, but I would have definitely like think the voice acting would have gone a long, long way. Um, and that's that that is it, it may sound like a negative, but it's also a, a compliment to the to the world that was built and the characters because I think I decided that in my head when I came across the two um little rebel mice, Pharaoh and <laughs> Temlin. Like 
when you come across those two lads, I instantly went, oh, I'd love to hear voice acting for these two lads. And then I was just thinking of everyone else I was meeting, like Rolo or even like down to just the rat guards and stuff like they probably would like there is there's moments of the rats talk to each other and stuff. And like the writing is it is funny. Like there is elements of it being very funny and very dark. And I think that if there was just voice acting there, I think it would have just it would have gone up so much like for me as well. Um, But I do get the small team thing. I know that we keep saying that, but I, I, I'd be curious to know where the where they stood on it when they were developing the game. Like, you know, was it even factored in? Did they go, will we try it? Like, because I, I, <laughs> in my head, in my head, if I was them, I would have went, well, look, will we try it? Will we try and see if we can do it? Yeah, I was just, I was going to say that. Yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> like, will we give it a shot? And like, you know, how do we see Farrow and Tamlin or um, Roland? And it, also, it would just help, like, with, like, I think other characters we mentioned, like, on the episode today, we've been like, is it is it pronounced that way or that way? Like, you know, that that's the thing where I'm like, it would help in, to some degree as well, but that's a, that's a very small thing to, to go on about. But I'd be very, very keen to 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 know if they, uh, like, where they stood on it, you know? I'm sure if they had the funds, they probably, I'm and I'm purely guessing, they would have had it. But it's just like, voice acting is, that's why in a lot of indie games, there isn't voice acting. Because it's very expensive. De- definitely. And, and I don't know, for all we know, they did try it and were like, we're not voice actors. This sounds like shite. <laughs> I was going to say, would you, guys, would you guys take it if, uh, you, if you had a choice between the games like it is now, right? And, uh, and that works, as we kind of said, like the text works and you sort of can imagine the voices and that or want to hear them. Or you have the option B, which is... It is voice. It is voice acted, but it's voice acted in the way that, like Penumbra, well, the earlier Penumbra is, where it was like the writer doing the voice acting, and oh, it's yeah. not to uh, 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 have a go at that writer. You know, he but he was a writer rather than a voice actor, and you know there is a, a kind of art to voice acting. Obviously, it's acting, but would you take that it, like a slightly dodgy but kind of funny? voice track yeah I, I prefer the writing definitely because like it, the the writing as I said like and we all agree here is, is it is pretty good for the most part and there's an insane amount of depth to it all like I, I think like as I was any character I spoke to the, the the amount of options of dialogue that kept coming up I was like holy shit this is like fucking Skyrim Dragon Age <laughs> it's thrown at me all of a sudden Mass Effect you know all these kind of things I was like and I, I think to answer your question Josh I would definitely prefer just the text not I wouldn't want funny stupid voice acting because that would just that would kill the game because like there, there, we've, we've said listen, there's a ton of charm to it there's a ton of charm to this game and uh, like I applaud the level of depth it goes for I really do but um, yeah overall I was sad I will I will one last thing on the story that I will say. Um, I never heard of like a sequel happening for this game at all. And when I got to the end and those credits rolled, I was I lads. I swear to God, I my I did not expect it to end like how it ended. And I was I was like, what? We're we're just stopping there. And I had to go online and go, what's the story? And it was like, oh, there's a sequel coming. Like, Halo 2 all over again. <laughs> even the size of the team and stuff, I did not think that was going to be... And the fact it's like, 
he was like trying his hands at a game. Like I didn't think he was going to be going for the second one, you know, but I'm pretty glad it's going to happen because like, uh, I'd say there'd be a lot of people who do dig this type of game, you know? Definitely. Yeah. So that is what we thought of the story. And this is the part of our review, generally speaking, where we just hoover up any last little bits. So shall we address the elephant in the room? And most certainly one of, the biggest blow away things in this game is how it looks. Mother yeah. of God. Yeah. I genuinely, when I turned it on, I couldn't get over the mouse's idle animation, the world, the lighting system. This is an absolute triumph. It's like this game is five years old. It could have come out last week just from how it looks. That's the really crazy thing is is not even just the fact that it's, you know, one person was doing it for an awful lot of it and then, and then, a, and then you know, a small team. And fair enough that, you know, that the, the lead uh, developer has a history in, in animation, but more just like, yeah, wait, this came out in, in 2018 and I was... I guess we were all playing it on PC, right? So you could put it on highest possible graphical settings. And it's just stunning. It's ridiculous. Um, mm. Really, really good. Mm. And like that for me, just, I know it's it's a shallow thing, maybe, but it is important, of course. Like it really elevates the game. It, may, it For me, it highlights how much that stuff, when you have that stuff, when you have an, an artist that has that kind of talent and history behind them, how much that it can elevate everything in the game and i was sort of talking about those those animations earlier with the little mouse in the bucket and stuff but it really just you know it can make you smile it can take a game where there's not perhaps as much going on under the hood and just sort of knock it up a notch to another area it remind i wrote that one of the things i wrote down was that it reminded me of um uh Kana bridge of spirits which came out like on the, mm. on the PS5 and PC. It's like they did that whole thing where I think they were animators as well. Or a number of people at that studio were like professional CG animators. They'd done some short, short films and it had the whole thing where it, it was in 24 frames per second. So it had that sort of movie look to it. Um, and it just, you know, call me shallow, but it, it really does m- make a difference. It sort of, it, it conjures that really thick mood that you just can't, you know, you, you can't necessarily buy it. Well, I guess you can if you've got an awful lot of money. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's it's kind of almost a given that it, it had to be this, I feel like. I, I would say he was like, if there's one thing that has to be done right and nailed, it's this, it's the visual aesthetic of it all. And uh, yeah, I think like, anyone who would who would boot this game up or even look at footage of would go wow that looks really really mm. really cool it's lighting I think the game runs very well I think like I, I had no no technical hiccups at all like and um, like it, it's it's kind of funny how like it, it's a testament to the to their work really as to how they can still make like a, a creature like a mouse still stand out and look cute. Like, you know, you kind of look at, you look at Tila and you go, ah, he's, he's doughty. You know, and it's almost, it's almost, he's almost so well designed, like Tilo that like, you would recognise him if he was just put on a shit. You go, oh, that's Tilo from Ghost of a Tale, you know, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also just want to point out, and I don't know how you guys think about it, but I thought the music was incredible. Incredible. There was moments of it that uh, I, I didn't, it didn't need to be as good as it was. It was, it, it just elevated the adventure so much more. Um, and there was one particular, um, p- 
piece of music from a location called the Far Tower. And every time I got there, it just it just blew my mind. Real tree. Yeah. Do you know what, Adam? Actually, we're going to give the people at home a little taster of it. So, yeah, here is from Jeremiah Pena, Container and Matthew Alvado from the Ghost of a Tale original soundtrack. Here is a little snippet of Far Tower. Fantastic, isn't it? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I think like when the strings all start pulsing and it's like boom, 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 boom. It's just, it's, it's, it's odd that it's, <laughs> it's in that area. And it's, you actually like go back to that area, I think like a few times and it always starts and you're like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, it's just after, but that's not even like the only like track. I just think the, the overall soundtrack is, is incredible for, for it. And, uh, it just makes it like m- madly epic. The whole, the whole, the whole story that it's depth on it. And like, I applaud it because they could have just put in like, like they could have put in anything kind of low quality to a degree. Like, um, and I've no examples that, that I would say, but like there's. I do get what you mean. Like it's similar to the, what you were saying, Josh, about how it looks. Like that, the audio and visual aspect of Ghost of a Tale, hundred percent elevated. Like a hundred percent, because they they give it this grander, bigger feel. Than what's actually going on mechanically? <laughs> well, well, that that and the fact that like it's a seven or eight person team or whatever. Like, well, like it's it's a small yeah. team. I won't give yeah. a number because I'll probably be wrong. But like. It's a teeny tiny team and I'm sure in the background things are sellotaped together and, but we, if we don't know that, we're none the wiser. And I know there are, or when this first launched, there were some technical uh, mishaps that people had, but obviously that's the joy of us coming to these games later and we're yeah, playing this yeah, five yeah. years after it's released and none of us had any, any technical hic- hiccups. But yeah, like the music elevates it just as the visuals do like it's it's fantastic but one thing that isn't fantastic josh this is your stand up atop your soapbox and tell me why you detest the name of the game it's 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 annoyed it annoyed me because for a long time i just don't know what it i don't know what it meant ghost of a tail like what like a tail has died what what do you mean uh or not a good tail and then i thought a car because he's a mouse but then it's not spelled A-I-L, it is spelled A-L-E. So they're talking about the story. So that that was annoying. And then you find out eventually what it is. And it's like, will you be uh, an epic hero or will your story just wind up being the ghost of a tale? And it's like, what? What? That's not even a phrase. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't know. A weak, weak title for a, a really cool game, I felt. Um, yeah, should have called it something else. Let's, maybe we could think of something else that we could call it. 
Tilo Green's Big Adventure. I don't know. Something else. Ghost of a Tale is rubbish. Even just Tilo or like, but yeah, good. Tilo's Tale. Done. So easy. There you go. Ship that. You can have that for free. But yeah, that is what we thought of Ghost of a Tale. So before we give you our our final seal of approval or disapproval. It's time now, lads, to brew some tea. Every episode of Stealth Boom Boom sees me test the gaming knowledge of my co-hosts, Adam, Carol and Josh Wise, with a simple quiz I like to call Trivia Espionage Action. Uh, this quiz consists of questions related to the game we've just discussed. Today, that is Ghost of a Tale, no matter how much that angers Josh. Um, not the game, but just the name of it. Uh, each participant is uh, will be given three questions. Each question has potentially three different stages. Stage one, the question is given without any hints. If the question answerer answers correctly here, they get three points. However, they can pass and move on to stage two. In stage two, the same question becomes a multiple choice question. The question answerer gets four multiple choice options and if they answer correctly here, they get two points. However, they can also pass here too and then they'll move on to the third and final stage of the question. Uh, In stage three, the same four multiple choice option question becomes a two multiple choice option question. Um, And if the question answerer answers correctly here, they get one point. Importantly, the question answerer has only one chance to submit a final answer. And, hope you're listening, lads, because there's been a slight change to the rules from this point on. Okay? If the question answerer is incorrect, the question is offered to the other question answerer. If the other question answerer answers correctly, they get one point regardless of what stage the question is at. Okay, so it is still offered, but it's it's just one point is up for grabs. Sweet, is everyone clear? Yes, yes, excellent. So Adam, yes, you won last week, so you get to choose. Would you like to go first, or would you like to go second? Uh, Colm, I would like to go first, please. Fantastic. So, your first question for three points. Every time you boot up Ghost of a Tale, you are reminded that 1,190 people crowdfunded the game on Indiegogo. But can you tell me the name of one film that Lionel Gallet referenced as inspiration on the game's Indiegogo page? Oh, mother of God, I... Um... <laughs> now, you'll obviously be given a multiple choice where there are three films that aren't on the page and one film that is on the page. But right now, you can, for three points, give me... A film, if you think you you have a film. No, give me give me the multiple choice, please. Okay, so I'm going to give you four multiple choice options for two points. Those multiple choice options are as follows. A, The Dark Crystal. B, Labyrinth. Th- uh, C, The Neverending Story. And D, Return to Oz. Jesus. Uh, I'll take a shot at Labyrinth. Yes. Is, is that your final answer? You don't sound sure. <laughs> I'm not really that sure. I'm annoyed that I can't remember this. This Yeah, it's my final answer. Okay. So, Adam, you were asked to give me the name of one film that Lionel Gallet references as inspiration on the game's Indiegogo page. 
Uh, you were given four multiple choice options. You have gone for B Labyrinth. And I can tell you, Adam Carroll, that B Labyrinth is incorrect. Labyrinth, not an inspiration to Lionel Gallet. It's, it's passed over, Josh Wise. So from one okay. point. Okay. Uh, I. I'm going to say the Dark Crystal because it's all ro- rodenty. The Dark Crystal, please. Is that your final answer? Yes. The Dark Crystal is the correct hey. answer. Well done, Josh. Sweet. Josh Wise, are you ready for your first question? Oh yeah, yes please. Brilliant. So every time you boot up the Ghost of a Tale, you are reminded that 1,190 people crowdfunded the game on Indiegogo. But Josh Wise, can you tell me the name of one video game that Lionel Gallet referenced as inspiration on the game's Indiegogo page? Okay, well, I did not ever look at this Indiegogo page, so please may I have the options, please? Uh, You can, of course. A. Okami. B. Journey. C. Eco. 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 Or D. Shadow of the Colossus. Uh. Uh. I, uh, I'm gonna go for uh, Ico, Eco. I think it should be Eco, but that's just one of those ones where I'm never gonna say that because it's always been Ico. I'm gonna go for Ico, please. Is that your final answer? Yes. For two points, you were asked to give me the name of a video game that Lionel Gallet references inspiration on the game's Indiegogo page, on Ghost of a Tale's Indiegogo page. And after being given the multiple choice options, you have gone for Eco, Ico, Eco, whatever. You know the, the game. Big time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can tell you, Josh, that Eco, Ico, Eco, Ico is <laughs> correct. Yes. See, I was going to pick that answer too, so can I get a point as well? <laughs> yes, 3-1. Like, that should be surely a new rule that comes in. <laughs> Adam Carroll, would you like your second question? Please. The comeback is on. Ghost of a Tale was localised into six different languages. While the majority of the game remained the same, certain things had to be changed, of course. For example, Ghost of a Tale's swear word, scrunt, was changed into something else in French. What was it changed into? Oh man, multiple choice, please. Multiple choice <laughs> options uh, for two points. Okay, I'll try and pronounce these as best as possible. Um, was it A, scrutin, B, scribu, <laughs> C, Scrudde, or, or D, Scrunard. I do apologise to our French listeners, especially because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pronouncing some words that, you know, are just like made up. Anyway, uh, yeah, for two points, Adam. Well, I'm definitely not going to pronounce it, so I'm just going to go with A, please. <laughs> is that your final answer? It is. So you were asked to tell me what scrunt was changed into in uh, the French localization. 
You have gone yeah. for uh, you got the multiple choice, and you've gone for a scruton. And I can mm-hmm. tell you, Adam, that scruton is incorrect. Oh, for God's sake! Oh, jo- oh man, Josh, Josh Wise, it is passed over to you. Okay, uh, for one point, I'm gonna go with uh, option D. D. Scronard, please, Josh Wise. I can tell you that Scronard is incorrect. <laughs> so nobody gets the points. It was Scribu, Scri- Scribus. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, the other, the other ones I made up by. Uh, I see you got mad. Yeah. yeah, I got mared, I got connailed. Unlucky, lads, unlucky. Josh Wise, would you like your second question? Oh, yes, please. Uh, in Ghost of a Tale, you play as a sneaky but talented musician of a mouse. There are ten songs in total in the game that you can play at certain points. What is the name of the song that Tilo writes for Silas, who is one of the oh. first NPCs you meet in the game? Uh... I'm gonna go mad and just. I'm gonna have like a. Oh god. Uh, I'm gonna go for a punt because I think I remember this and it's great drama. Um, is it the the orphan king? Uh, the orphan king. Uh, the the, orphan, the, the it, is that is that your final answer? Uh, the orphan, the orphan prince. Go for the orphan, the orphan prince. I think, yeah, yeah. The orphan prince. F- final answer, please. So, Josh Wise, you were asked to tell me the name of the song that Tilo writes for Silas, mm. and you first gave me the orphan king, mm. then you said the orphan prince, then you said the orphan <laughs> monarch, and then you went back to the orphan prince. <laughs> You know, it's some sort of orphan who is in royalty. I can tell you, Josh, that the orphan prince for three points is the correct yes! answer. Yes! Yes! Unreal. That is very high level play. Oh, man. I love doing those crazy risk ones. Adam Carroll. Colin Mahorn. Would you like your third and, third and final question? Yes, please. A large part of Ghost of a Tale involves collecting items, food, costumes and the like. One thing you can collect is mushrooms. Adam Carroll, can you tell me the name of one nocturnal mushroom in the game? Obviously enough, if you tell me one mushroom that's there at night, you'll get it. Uh, If you don't, I'll give you four multiple choice options. One will be a nocturnal mushroom. Three of them won't be. Oh. Um... Oh jeez, no! I'll have to go. I'll have to go multiple. Uh, okay, so for two points, your multiple choice options are: A. Midnight Brood, B. Milky Cap, C. Nightcrest, and D. Weeping Widow. I'll try Milky Cap. I feel like there's something Cap. Is there another flower called Cap in that game? But I'll stick with Milky Cap. Is Milky Cap your final answer? It is, yeah. It better be right now. Come on. Even if it isn't, just say it is. (laughs) (laughs) 
so you were asked to tell me uh, one of the nocturnal mushrooms in the game. You're given multiple choice. You have said B. Milky Cap. And I can tell you, Adam Carroll, that Milky Cap is incorrect. I can't believe it. This is where you go, you're actually a joke and it's correct. Oh, hey, come on, Cork. <laughs> Sorry, Adam, but you're going home with nothing. Milky Cap is a, uh, a mushroom uh, you can get during the day in Ghost of a Tale. Midnight Brood is a nocturnal mushroom. Ah, see, I didn't want to go oh, for the fuck, ones that Sorry, see. Josh. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Josh. I should have offered it to you. What are you playing at? Oh, is I'm the answer you... A, Midnight Brood? <laughs> <laughs> Josh Wise, would you like your third and final question? <laughs> yes, yes, please. As referenced earlier, Lionel Seath Gallet worked in the movie business for close to 15 years before Ghost of a Tale came out, specifically the animated movie business. The Lorax was the final movie he worked on. Can you tell me the first movie he worked on? Uh, 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 no, I can't, but I can try to have a pun. Uh, the Lorax... 15 years before the the Lorax, I want to say, was uh, 2012-ish. Let's go with that. So that's 1997. DreamWorks is the studio. I'm going to go for a max drama punt here. DreamWorks in 1997, I think, would have been possibly... Ants, but I don't know if this person, if um, Galay worked on that. Uh, maybe that's a bit. Oh, I kind of want to do a dramatic punt, but I just don't know. Um, I'm just gonna go for ants because I think. Yeah, I don't know if this guy worked on that, but that might have been. Yeah, uh, ants, 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 ants with a Z. Is that your final answer? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Josh Wise, you were asked to tell me Galley's, who worked in the animated movie business, to tell me the first movie that he worked on. And you have tried to work it out in your head, st- stayed on the DreamWorks uh, kind of line of thinking and gone for Ants. And I can tell you, Josh, that Ants is incorrect. <sighs> so, it's, pass- it's passed over. Adam Carroll, I remember this time. Can you tell me the first movie that Galley worked on? It wasn't Ants. Jesus. Um, Flushed Away. Flushed Away is incorrect as well, I'm afraid. Uh, It was... Look, no surprise. It was The Prince of Egypt. I think that was the same year as Ants, The Prince of Egypt as well. You know, Crimea River, Joshua, you won six (laughs) nil. Six nil, is it? Yeah, yeah. You need to get back into training, Adam. Yeah, okay. (laughs) That's fine. Clearly we need to move on. Uh, So yeah, that's enough trivia espionage action. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and then we will be back with The Verdict. So now it is time of Stealth Boom Boom to give you our final verdict on Ghost of a Tale. 
summarise all our thoughts and wrap them up with a neat little bow. But before we do that, let me tell you uh, some of the quotes from reviews of Ghost of a Tale at the time. First of all, we had Edwin Evans Thurlwell from Eurogamer who gave it a Eurogamer recommended. And in his review, he said, It is not always great fun to play, but it is always worth pondering. And its mournful and majestic setting will linger in your mind long after the taste of what taste of that final encounter has faded. Rich Meister of Destructoid gave it 6.5 out of 10 and said, Ghost of a Tale is a gorgeous, fun adventure that can occasionally be bogged down by frustrating and repetitive mechanics. But I hope we haven't seen the last of Tilo. John Walker, Rock Paper Shotgun, said, quote, I love that the day and night cycles really change the behaviour of everyone in this little world, even though it's ridiculously dark at night. I love the way Tilo scampers on all fours when he runs even though the sprint stamina is far too brief and takes far too long to refill. I love finding a secret tunnel through gained skills, even though the maps are abysmal and unlabeled. Gosh, it would be a lot better. Gosh, it could be a lot better, but I really enjoy playing what it is. Francesco De Mayo of WCCF Tech gave it 7.8 out of 10 and said Ghost of a Tale is a truly unique action role-playing game that tells a very, very meaningful story and sports some features that make the game stand out from the competition, such as the setting and stealth-focused gameplay. The technical issues, however, can get a bit in the way of enjoyment, but if you can let this slide, you will find an experience that will stay with you for quite a long time. And John Paul Jones of PlayStation Universe gave it 9 out of 10 and said, Ghost of a Tale is nothing less than an astounding feat. I'm totally in love with Tilo, the world he and his numerous friends inhabit, and his quest for his beloved Mira. And I think if you let him scurry his way into your life, you will be too. But none of those opinions matter. All right, the only opinions that matter are Adam's, Josh's, and mine, as we bestow badges of approval or disapproval on Ghost of a Tale. So... How this works is that each of us will give Ghost of a Tale a rating. That rating is either a pass, a play, or an espionage explosion. A pass, we don't think you should play this game. A play, we think you should play this game. And an espionage explosion, we really think you should play this game. All rationale for ratings is entirely up to whomever is bestowing the badge of approval slash disapproval. So, let's give our final ratings on Ghost of a Tale. Do I see any hands up? Would anyone like to be? I think Adam, you have typically been the first. Yeah, I, I, I think there is a, a ton to like about this game, and there's a, quite a few parts to love about this game, and some parts are just frustrating. But overall, I think it's a very good achievement. Um, it's beautiful to to look at and listen to, and like it's. It, it's a hard game to maybe say to somebody now, go, you should put aside everything that's to make this the one to play. But there, there are definitely people out there who I think could, would play it and be be taken back by its story and, and its world and would be kind of okay. I can see a lot of people being okay with the level of like fetch quests that it contains and stuff. So for me, I, I, I do think it, it is a play. It is definitely a play. Josh Wise... Where do you stand on Ghost of a Tale? Yeah, I would I would echo those sentiments. It's a play for me, I think. <clears throat> it's a solid stealth. Well, it's it's yeah, it's solid. Um it's got lovely vibes, lovely mood, the animations are sumptuous, the story is um good, good world building, uh the kind of 
immediate stories perfectly good as well you know little mouse fella trying to find his wife uh worth play yeah not 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 an espionage explosion i mean the stealth just isn't up to snuff for that but it's certainly not a pass either so it's a play from me if we had and we have the power to do this so <laughs> so you know uh, there was another game i can't remember what it was um this oh like and I, you know, I voiced some of my issues with the game. Like I don't think the side quests are all that great, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, everything else I said. Um, how yeah, the stealth kind of becomes redundant once you get the guard uniform. But like, oh, I really wanted this to be an espionage explosion. <laughs> like, right, like okay. there's there's so much good going on here. Oh, for sure. Um, like just as an entire package that I just really was willing it over the line, but there just isn't just too many issues there. Mm. What I was saying about, you know, we, we make the rules. Like, if, we, if, if I could, and if there was, like, some sort of middle ground between play and espionage explosion, I think I'd probably be all over it, because I, mm. I really do think that this is worth people's time. And I, I, I do, like, I would really recommend it. Uh, which I mean is what what a play is meant to be anyway, but I just want to kind of tell people more, you know, it's just that little kind of yeah. little bit more that like, no, really, I think you should play this game. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's really enjoyable despite its, its flaws. It's, it is quite an achievement for the, the amount of people that worked on this. And yeah, I really enjoyed it again, despite its faults. So yeah, a play from me. So plays all round for a ghost of a tale but that's enough ghost of a tale chatter i think uh, because now we need to start thinking about what we're going to be talking about on the next episode of stealth boom boom because on the next episode we're going to be looking at a game that marty sleva of ign uh he said this game quote delivers one of the purest and most enjoyable cooperative experiences I've had in quite some time, end quote. Richard Grisham of Games Radar said this game, quote, pulls off a difficult feat beautifully. Namely, it's a lot of fun playing on your own as well as with friends, end quote. And Daniel Riendu of Polygon said, quote, this game nails the white-knuckled Hollywood uh, heist motif with style but you're going to need like-minded friends and a whole lot of patience to get there end quote we're going back a decade on the next episode because on the next stealth boom boom we're talking monaco what's yours is mine monte carlo this city is my prison and you are going to help me escape Listen closely. This will be a four-man operation, and we are going to need recruits. First, bring me a locksmith, a man whose fingers move in his sleep. He doesn't need brains, just a particular set of talents. Have you seen this beggar with the monkey? This man shall be our pickpocket. We'll also need a woman, a lookout, Someone trained from youth to see danger around every corner. And lastly, a man who cannot control his violent urges. Bring me a man familiar with chloroform. Oh. 
I don't expect loyalty, no. I expect criminals. Find them. Bring them here. I need to introduce them to the family. Bring me my thieves, mon ami. Spare no expense. What's mine is yours. And Monaco is mine. So, Monaco, what's yours is mine. Have either of you played it? Josh, have you played Monaco before? No, never played it. And I... I don't think I've heard of it because when you Ooh, said no. about it, I thought of that one where uh, f- that person who's definitely just meant to be like Fidel Castro is on the front cover. Oh, oh um, uh, Tropico. Yeah. Yeah. And when you said Monica, I was like, oh, is that a fucking stealth game? I've always just ignored that in the shops. But uh, yeah, you're right. That's Tropico. I don't think I've ever heard of Monica. Possibly... If I have, I've forgotten it. But so, okay. yeah, it should be completely fresh for me. I'm very excited. Uh, Adam Carroll, have you heard of Monaco previously? Yeah, I've always actually wanted to play this game. Um, and now is the perfect time. I know, that, I know what it's all about. It looks really good. Okay, okay. And I have played it before. I played it when it came out, actually, because I reviewed it. <gasps> Are you going to put yourself in the quotes? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Maybe, although I will say it's 10 years ago and (laughs) some of of those words aren't really all that great. (laughs) It's a a fella who has, he has airs, that Colin Mahorn, he has airs. Uh, So yeah, (laughs) on the next episode, we're going to be talking about Monaco. So get that played. Uh, If you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to, you know, get more from your, listen of the next episode but that does just about do it for this episode of stealth boom boom if you'd like to you could subscribe to our lovely little podcast via all of your podcatching apps we are on amazon music spotify uh, stitcher tune in apple podcasts etc etc we're on pretty much all of them i believe it's important to subscribe to us to to review us on on apple Podcasts as well do all that please that would be great uh, you can also follow stealth boom boom on social media we are at stealth boom boom on everything twitter tiktok instagram uh, follow us there where we post things that we've been discussing on the episode and also you can follow all of us as well if you so wish you can follow me at column underscore Ahern. Adam is at Adam Zokes and Josh is at Joshy Wise but now it is time for my least favourite part of the show this is the part of the show where we must bid the listener adieu so say goodbye Adam Carroll Goodbye, everyone. Say goodbye, Josh Wise. Bye. And say goodbye, Colin Mahern. Sloan Gafford.